Hello, and welcome to Meditations from Middle Earth. My name is Strider, and I'm a Christian worker here in where I call Middle Earth. We love to meditate on God's Word, and He's given us so many unique and rich experiences here in Middle Earth, and I'd like to share those insights with you here on Meditations from Middle Earth. Early in my Christian walk, many people would talk about having a life verse, a verse that spoke to them about uh, who they were and a fundamental truth about their lives, something that they really resonated with. And I thought deeply about uh, what would be my life verse. And it was a long time uh, before I settled on a life verse, not because my verse didn't really come to me quite quickly, actually, but because I was reluctant to embrace it and to tell other people, yeah, this is what describes me. This is what I'm striving for. This is the way that God is speaking to me. And the verse that I settled on, the verse that continually came back to mind, the verse that's been the most encouragement to me over the years, has been uh, Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20, Paul is writing to the Galatians. He's encouraging them to uh, not go back into the works of the law in order to find their own personal righteousness, their own personal holiness, their own uh, to earn their own salvation uh, by uh, submitting themselves to rules and regulations that other people would impose upon them, but rather that they would just look to Jesus as he will say later, the author and finisher of their faith. If, if they'll just look to Jesus as the, as the starting point for salvation, but they never leave that road, they end up looking to Jesus for the finish of their salvation as well. And he describes this really beautifully and really succinctly in chapter 2 and verse 20, where he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This verse inspires me on so many levels. It begins with, I am crucified with Christ. Often, as we have uh, been sent here to Middle Earth to make disciples, and I'm counseling with people, I'm teaching people, I'm encouraging people, and people can be so discouraged. We all can be so discouraged about the difficulties that this life throws at us almost continuously. And it just seems like you can hardly get ahead when you don't have to go two steps behind. You know, you just, something good happens and you think, all right, my life is great, everything's going fine, and then boom, it all comes crashing down again. And it just seems like you can just never really experience the kind of life that we believe that we deserve. Galatians 2.20 sets all of that in the ditch that it belongs in. It says, no, 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 no. We're not living the kind of life that we deserve. Uh, 
as many people will tell you, we deserve no good kind of life at all anyway. We, we are all sinful. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so now we begin this verse of Galatians 2.20 with, I am crucified with Christ. And what it means and what I remind people again and again is, look, we are followers of Jesus. You know, here in Middle Earth, I very rarely tell people that I'm a Christian. That word in this language just has almost no meaning at all. And when I tell them I'm a Christian, they just don't know what I'm talking about. This, this is not a word that has meaning to them. But if I tell them that I'm a follower of Jesus, then they understand, oh, now we know who you are. And so I like that description of being a follower of Jesus much better than just being a Christian. You realize, you know, in the, in the book of Acts, it tells us that in Antioch, the believers were first called Christians. But before the believers were called Christians, they were called followers of the way. I like this description better. Christians is kind of like little Christ, like I'm a little Jesus somehow. And, and, and there's some truth in that. I, I, I hope that when people look at me, they see Jesus. When they hear me, they hear Jesus. I hope that he's coming through in my communication in this life. I want him to. But what's a more accurate statement is that I'm a follower of Christ. That life isn't static. I'm not just standing on a pedestal being some kind of holy model of Jesus. No, I'm walking with Christ. I'm on a journey with him. Going from lostness, darkness, and death to light and glory and joy. And it's a long, long journey that takes up our entire lifetimes. But that journey begins with, I am crucified with Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus. Where did Jesus go? He went to a cross. So we shouldn't be surprised when difficulties happen. We shouldn't be surprised when life is difficult and bad things happen and rough things take place and we can get so easily discouraged. But we shouldn't be surprised that any of this is happening. It be we begin our journey with, I am crucified with Christ. We begin by saying, I am a follower of Jesus. And where did Jesus go? He went to a cross. So, I am crucified with Christ. What does that mean? You know, there were two thieves crucified with him on that day. But I was not one of those guys. I've never been nailed to anything. Praise God. I don't really want to be. And so, what does this mean? It's funny, you know, Jesus says to Nicodemus, are you a teacher in Israel and you don't understand these things? Referring to the being born again thing and Nicodemus not understanding what on earth is he talking about? Can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb? You know, you're speaking and that these things and he can only think of the physical truth. Later on in John chapter 6, he's going to say, the flesh is useless. It's the spirit that gives life. And so when Jesus is teaching us, it's the Spirit that we need to be listening to. And when I hear, I am crucified with Christ, I'm not talking about being nailed to a cross next to him. I'm talking about my life, my desires, the great I, I, I of my existence dying with Jesus on the cross. So that it is no longer I 
who live, but Christ who lives in me. As a 12-year-old boy, as I knelt and prayed, Lord Jesus, you be in control of my life. You be the ruler. You be the king. You be in control. As I gave him control of my life, and I said, there's a throne in my heart that has had I on it, and I'm taking that off, and I'm asking you to come and sit on the throne of my heart. And now when I make decisions, it's not I that's making decisions. I'm looking to you and asking you for wisdom and insight. I'm giving you the keys to the car. I'm so telling you, Lord Jesus, you lead me in the way I should go. And the first place he leads us is a cross. Where our hopes and our, our dreams and the things that we value die. Is harsh, isn't it? We hate this part of the story. But it always has to begin there. But it never ends there. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, what? I live. But not I. But Christ lives in me. So once I'm crucified with Christ, once I'm dead to myself, now there's the possibility of a resurrection. What's the old hymn say? Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die? Well, once we've died, once we've been crucified with Christ, now there's an opportunity for a resurrection. My great complaint, actually, with God, as I wrestle with him in prayer from time to time, is that he had to die on a cross one time, but we seem to have to die on the cross all the time, every day in fact, again and again, myself, the I, I, I of my existence rises up and says, I want this, I want that, I'm dreaming this for myself, and those things have to die, to be replaced with Christ lives in me, and his resurrection power lives in me, and then he creates in me and for me a more glorious, more beautiful future than ever I had planned. This has been true again and again in my life. Again and again, I have made plans to see those things crumble into ashes. And then Jesus comes and he builds a new future, a better future. And this is not to make light of the really difficult things that happen to us. But it is to say that we are encouraged to rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that these sufferings produce in us the fruits of the Spirit. And so as we look to what God is building in our lives and making a life for us, we wonder what it means that he lives in us. Can we trust this guy? Is this something that we want to have happen to us. We had hopes and dreams and visions. We were then crucified with Christ. We said, no, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. We've invited him in. His Holy Spirit is dwelling with us. He's on the throne of our lives. And now the question, was that a good idea? Is that really the best way to live my life? Am I really going to be, uh, what are the words we use now, fulfilled, happy, contented, are these words uh, something that we're giving up in order to be followers of Jesus? And I would say, in a, in a certain sense, they are. 
Yes, we are giving up what the world calls happiness and contentment and certainly security. But we are taking on something else. We're getting something much better in return. We're getting a sure and solid future. We're getting the promises of God. See, this verse continues with, not only does Christ live in me, but the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. So I have faith in God and in His Son. They're true. They're a reality. I can read the Bible and know that these things are a fact. And if they're a fact, then they must mean something. These, these words were not written randomly. This is not a random history written about first century Palestine. When I read the Gospels, the authors of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, guys like Paul and James, these, these guys who wrote history and wrote facts didn't write just any facts. They, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote facts that would shape the way we think, shape the way we act. They would inform us as to how we can live our lives so that it has eternal value. So if I think about, for instance, security, I've picked up my family and moved to Middle Earth. This is not the safest place to be. It certainly wasn't when I came here. And most of you would say it's certainly not today although I certainly feel safe. But some people will come in and say, oh, the safest place to be is in the center of the will of God. And that's only kind of true. Let's be really honest here. I have friends, I have known people who have died for their faith in this part of the world. It hasn't happened very often, praise God, but it does happen. They were in the perfect will of God and they were killed for their faith. It has happened. I have had friends who have lost their jobs for their faith. I have had friends who, upon announcing their faith in Jesus Christ or having it discovered, were thrown physically out of their homes. There's a cost for following Jesus. And that cost is what the world calls security. But look at this. What the world calls security says that if I build my life and live my life in a certain way and make certain really good decisions and I'm strong enough and rich enough and powerful enough, then I can be secure. I can protect myself. I can protect my family. I can protect my wealth. I can be in control. The world calls this security. And of course, it's entirely a myth because every person listening to this right now is going to die. Someday, your life will end. And what the world calls security will be no more. But what God calls security is something very, very different. He says, when it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, now the life that I'm living has eternal meaning, eternal value. I am storing up treasure in heaven that will last forever. This is a very different way to think about life. And it changes the way that we invest our lives, the way that we use our time. So I am crucified with Christ. I decided that the I, I, I of my existence wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. It was not going to lead me anywhere but a dead end. 
And so, praise God, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Who's that guy? He's the guy who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not giving myself to a powerful tyrant who demands my allegiance so that he can manipulate me and use me for his own purposes and then throw me away. So many people live like that today. So many people bow down to the God of money, to the God of patriotism, to the God of whatever value they have, to the false gods that demand their attention, their time, their energy, their wealth, and give nothing in return. And so many of them promise nothing in return. I don't serve a God like that. I serve a God who loves me and gave himself for me. And so when I give myself for him, I'm only being a follower of him. He's not demanding anything from me that he did not himself give. He gave everything for me, and now I turn around and give everything for him. It's by his grace. It's by his love. It's by his mercy. It is not by my strength. It is not by my power. I cannot brag about anything that I have done because what I have done pales in comparison to what he has done. I have only done what he's asked me to do. And now I believe that this great God who loved me and gave himself for me lives in me. And together we will continue to go down this road where we will find joy and peace and love and hope and all the great fruits of the Spirit that he has promised to those who love him. So Galatians 2.20 is my life verse. It informs the way that I'm going to live. I'm going to crucify all of the I, I, I's of my existence. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to make decisions based on what he's asking me to do. And I expect to find that he and I will go down this road for the rest of my life, but then for eternity. Because he is eternal. And by investing in him, I then have become eternal. And that's a great mystery. And it humbles me greatly to say it. I guess the only way I can conclude this wonderful teaching from Galatians 2.20 is to simply invite you to come and join me. Amen. This has been Meditations from Middle Earth. May God be your ever-present teacher and richly bless you on your journey.